Seriously, the scholarship just gave me that opportunity to make my mom proud and to know in my heart that I was carrying on a legacy that my dad had left behind and to continue to make him proud too. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Connecting ALS. I am one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, coming to you from the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And I'm joined by my co-host in North Carolina, Jeremy Holden. Hard to believe that we are about to be in May, and as many of you know, the first day of ALS Awareness Month. You'll be hearing from us and our colleagues at the ALS Association about the urgent and ongoing work being done in ALS research and advocacy and care services to make sure that the pandemic doesn't stand in the way of progress. Yeah, that's right. I think Colin Neat, CEO and president of the association, said at the outset of this public health crisis that ALS isn't taking a pause while we deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. And so it's just as important as ever for the mission to go forward. And you know, we'll be talking quite a bit about that in the coming weeks. Absolutely. Stay tuned for some interesting content from uh, both Connecting ALS and the ALS Association during ALS Awareness Month. And speaking of compelling content, you mentioned Colin Eat. We wanted to give a shout out to the Business of Giving radio show New York and blog, uh, which is hosted by the very talented Denver Frederick. Denver interviewed ALS Association President and CEO Colin Eat Balas last week about managing through a crisis and how the association is responding to the pandemic. It was a great conversation and we encourage you to take a listen. We'll post a link to that interview in our show notes for anyone that wants to check that out. All right, for this week's episode of Connecting ALS, we spoke to Mark Kalmus about the scholarship fund he created in honor of his late wife, Jane, and the lives that fund is changing all over the country, including those of Ryan Pogamiller and his mother, Allison. After we spoke with Mark, we connected with Ryan and his mom about why the Jane Kalmus Scholarship Fund is so meaningful to them. Yeah, I thought it was great to hear from from Ryan and Allison, but just, you know, thinking about Ryan and, you know, I, Mike, you and I are a little bit older than he is, but we're certainly at that time where leaving high school, thinking about what do I want to be when I grow up? What's the next step? And, you know, I think I don't want to give too much away, but Ryan is thinking way more advanced thoughts than I was going into college. <laughs> and, you know, to think that because of some of the devastating impacts, both just emotionally and financially that ALS brings to a family, that his path forward might not have seemed so clear. But again, a, a, a bright student, an honor student, and just fascinating to hear how he's taking this opportunity and, and his plans for the future. Yeah, he has a very, very good head on his shoulders and definitely more mature at that age than, than I was and probably we were, Jeremy. So looking forward to hearing from him in that interview. But first, as I mentioned, we're going to kick things off in our conversation with Mark Kalmus. Let's hear how that went. We are pleased to be joined today by Mark Kalmus, Vice Chair of the ALS Association Board of Trustees. Mark, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me back, guys. It's a pleasure being with you. Yeah, some of our listeners probably recall having heard from you, and so we're, we're happy to have you back to talk about a, a really important issue today. But before we get into that, for some of our listeners who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your connection to ALS and why you serve this community. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So my late wife, Jane, was diagnosed with ALS in June of 2009 at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And during our final session with clinic staff, we were given information about the ALS Association and about the St. Louis Regional Chapter, which was the nearest chapter to us at the time. 
and importantly, the St. Louis University ALS Clinic. And so from there, I started to learn as much as I could about ALS and the ALS Association. And then after that, in 2010, the family formed a Walk to Defeat ALS team that we named Jane's Angels. And that team is now in its 11th year, and we have raised nearly three quarters of a million dollars for the association. That's something I know I and my kids are very proud of. And then over the ensuing years, I became more known to and involved with the St. Louis chapter. And as a result of that, they nominated me to become a trustee on the association's National Board of Trustees in 2014. I was elected to the board in February of 2015, and I've served on the board since in several capacities and in several positions. And I also serve as a member of the St. Louis Chapter's Board of Directors, so I've been heavily involved with the association in that regard. And then after an eight-year battle with the disease, Jane passed away in, in August of 2017. And prior to her passing, I promised her that I would do all I could to help eliminate this devastating disease. And it was really an easy promise to make after having been a caregiver for eight years and seeing firsthand that devastation, as well as seeing it in many other pals and their families and caregivers that I have encountered over the past 10 plus years of my involvement with the disease. So that's why I serve. And getting to serve with other tremendously talented, dedicated, and wonderful volunteers and staff at the ALS Association, such as you guys, it's been extremely rewarding and a blessing for me. Well, Mark, we really, we can't thank you enough, certainly not on this podcast, for all that you and your family have done for the cause and for the ALS Association, for so many families like yours who have been impacted by ALS. Really, really tremendous body of work that you've done on our behalf over the last more than a decade, really. Today, we want to talk to you about the scholarship fund, specifically a little over a year ago now, you made the decision to create the Jane Calmus ALS Scholarship Fund in honor of your late wife to benefit students who have lost a loved one to ALS. Why was it important to you and your family that this educational component be a part of Jane's legacy? Well, Jane battled three major illnesses during the last 11 years of her life. She battled a heart condition, breast cancer, and then finally ALS. And she waged those battles with great courage, determination, and will. And yet she did so with unbelievable grace and kindness and empathy towards others that were similarly affected. So when I decided I wanted to honor her and her legacy, I knew that she would want me to do something that helped others as she and I had done before she had died. And as I worked with the Association on Ideas, education surfaced and it immediately resonated with me. Jane was always an education advocate. Uh, She was a great student herself, graduating magna cum laude from Wichita State University. She insisted all of our kids get college degrees, which they did, because she knew what the benefits of education did for her and for me in the successful careers we had and the good life we had established. And then lastly, she was a volunteer at an after-school program where she taught kids and helped them with their homework. So I chose education and knew there was an immediate unmet need for educational funding within the ALS community. And I also knew that Jane, while she would be tremendously embarrassed at the attention, 
that she would be immensely proud of what we were doing in her name. I'm sure she would be proud. And I, w- I want to get into the first year and what we saw coming out of that. But first, I want to talk about uh, an interesting component about the scholarship fund, which is its commitment, not just to kind of what we think of as college, traditional four-year degree granting universities, but also two-year programs, community colleges, vocational education. Why did you think it was important to think expansively about the education that would be funded through this program? Well, you kind of just said it yourself. To be inclusive is very important, and we don't want to leave any students behind. So, you know, when, when we are young, when any person is young, we all have dreams of what we want to become and what we want to accomplish in life. Jane, I, and our kids all received four-year college degrees. And one of my kids received a master's degree also. And we chose that path because of the professions we are interested in pursuing. Well, other students will have professions they want to pursue that require different paths. And those paths may lead to junior college or vocational school education. So if an educational institution is accredited, a student who receives one of the Jane Kalmus ALS scholarships may attend any of those institutions regardless of type. And thank you for asking that question because it's really important to me that all students have this opportunity. Yeah, it's really great to hear that. And I know that a number of these scholarship recipients have appreciated that, as will future scholarship recipients. And kind of a good segue into talking about now that we're entering year two of the Kalma Scholarship Fund, the first recipients are putting their scholarships to use and and wrapping up a year of schooling. And uh, you've been receiving applications from all over the country for this next round. If you could, Mark, reflect on that first year for us and kind of what you've learned and how things have gone for the program. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Man, this first year has gone by really quickly. And it seems just like yesterday when we were first discussing the possibility of a scholarship fund. And when the first application period opened a year ago, We really didn't know for sure what response we would see, but based on demographics we have of the ALS community and what we believe was a huge unmet need nationwide, we thought there could be a significant response. And that belief turned out to be true. We ended up with 133 completed applications and we had hundreds more that weren't completed for one reason or another. And out of that 133, we were able to award 45 $5,000 scholarships to students from 25 states. And of those students, about 30% were high school seniors, and the other 70% were already uh, undergraduates pursuing their secondary education. 40 of those kids that had gotten an award had a parent or have a parent with ALS. Four had a grandparent with ALS. And we had one person with ALS apply and receive an award. So those are pretty much the stats on the first year. But to your question in regard to me personally, the first year brought emotions to me across the spectrum. I was very excited to see the fund established and do what it was intended to do. It was a bit surprising to see that initial response, even though we thought it could be significant. And it has been extremely rewarding and emotional at the same time, especially when I read some of the thank you notes that have come into the association from award recipients. We have always known that there's a real and significant financial burden and pain in the ALS community. That's, uh, that's been well documented. But this scholarship program has shined the light on part of that burden that has been somewhat hidden. And for that, I am grateful that we were able to do that. 
However, while I have been excited and pleased with how this has started, I'm also still reminded of this still unmet need. While we helped 45 students, 88 other students, 88 other kids didn't get an award. And to me, that's unacceptable. Until we can meet 100% of the need, I will always have a feeling of sadness and futility for those we couldn't help. So that's why I and the association are working relentlessly to find additional funding. We beat the bushes and, and look for opportunities all the time, and I will do so for as long as I can do that. You know, uh, you talked about the uh, first year. So now we're in the application period for the second year, and that application period will be open till May 18th. So we're just halfway through that period, and yet we're already seeing incomplete applications come in at more than double the rate of all of last year. And this may wow. be, yeah, this may be due to uh, more awareness of the fund. It may be due to additional financial burden caused by COVID-19, or frankly, it could be a combination of, of both of those. But nonetheless, it highlights the need for more funding. So if I can say to your listeners, if you have the ability to help change the lives of young people in a very positive and meaningful way, please donate to the Jane Kalmus ALS Scholarship Fund. And we can provide information for how listeners can do that in the show notes. Mark, anything else you want to reflect on heading into the second half of the application period for year two and where the uh, scholarship fund goes from here? Well, as I said, uh, we, we want to make sure the word gets out across the country that students know that this fund exists. We want everybody to be able to have the opportunity to apply for it. But then, you know, as I've said a couple of times through this interview, funding is, is critical. Like, like all things in life, not much can happen without money. And we do have this pretty significant unmet need. So we want to continue to increase the level of funding. We want this fund to become sustainable. You know, it doesn't do any good for when, when I disappear off this earth that the funding all of a sudden dries up and, and, and the fund goes away. We have demonstrated that there is a huge unmet need. We want to keep this ball rolling, we, and we want to enlarge that ball. And, you know, as I said earlier, I'm not going to be satisfied till every student, every kid who wants a scholarship can get one. And that's just, you know, it, it's critically important in the, in, the, in the journey and the path of a family with ALS. That attitude is amazing, Mark. Thank you. And I do hope that you and uh, the association are able to continue funding the scholarship in this way. We're speaking to a young man later on this, this podcast about his receiving of the Jane Kalmus Scholarship and how it changed his life. And I've met a number of students who were recipients, and they all said the same kind of thing, that it was so meaningful to them and really did help ease that financial burden that was brought on by their family facing ALS. So again, we thank you and uh, are humbled by the work that you've done, Mark, uh, you and your family on behalf of families living with ALS. Well, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. And I greatly appreciate having the opportunity to talk about this fund and, uh, with you guys. And I'd love to talk to anybody else about it. Thanks again to Mark Kalmus for walking us through kind of the background, his connection to ALS and the initiative to help fund continuing education for uh, young people whose lives have been impacted by the disease. We're going to hear now from one of the recipients from the inaugural class of the Jane Kalmus ALS Scholarship Fund, as we hear now from Ryan Pogamiller and his mother, Allison. 
We are on the phone today with Allison Pogamiller and her son, Ryan Pogamiller, and they are joining us from just outside Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks to the both of you for being willing to speak with us on Connecting ALS today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. So we wanted to have you on to talk about the Jane Kalmus ALS Scholarship Fund, as Ryan was a recipient of that scholarship, and that program is now in its second year. So Ryan, we will have a bunch of questions for you about that specifically in, in just a few minutes, but we want to start with you, Allison, if you don't mind. And for the sake of our listeners, could you give us a little bit of background on your family story and just how ALS came into your lives? Yeah, sure, Mike. Well, as probably most families can understand with a diagnosis of sporadic ALS, ALS entered our life as a complete surprise and very quickly. My husband of 21 years named Jeff was 53 when he mentioned to me that he kept biting the inside of his cheek and he wasn't sure why. And he does a lot of presentations. So he was really noticing that he kept biting his cheek. And a short time later, I noticed he would slur a couple of words here and there. And many people might not think anything of those things, but even these really small things were out of the norm for him. He was an accomplished athlete. He was physically in impeccable condition and at the height of a very successful career in technology. I mean, the man never got a cold. He never had a cavity. So all of this was out of the norm. So we immediately started what would be about five months of absolutely grueling tests and doctor's visits leading up to that moment when everything we knew in the world came to a screeching halt and we got our diagnosis of you have ALS. I can't even imagine uh, what it must have been like to hear those words. And I'm sorry that your family had that experience and, and to go through that with someone that you love. Unfortunately, it's a story that many of our listeners are too familiar with. Right. So where did you turn for support? What, what resources were available to kind of help you on the next steps as you began that journey? Well, at the time of my husband's diagnosis, which was in t early 2015, the type of resources that are available today didn't exist. We've made a lot of progress in the last few years. So I felt completely alone and lost. I absolutely couldn't grasp the situation that we were in. And in the beginning, I couldn't even help my husband with what he might've been feeling, his despair and his fear in relation to this horrific diagnosis because I was drowning in my own feelings of terror and I was totally alone. So I spent, seven months of the 12 months my husband lived with ALS on my computer or my phone 24 seven, trying desperately to find an answer that turns out didn't exist or some kind of way to prove the diagnosis wrong or really just any type of hope whatsoever. And during that time, we saw a neurologist out of state and that happened because I had been researching neurologists and he seemed to be on the cutting edge of things in ALS. And that's how we ended up traveling to California until it just got too difficult. And he helped us to get into an ALS clinic in Arizona. But I had no idea what a clinic was or that it existed at that time. And once we were a part of that clinic environment, I was introduced to many different kinds of resources and assistance. One of those things being my local ALS association chapter. And I'm seriously not exaggerating when I say that my care services provider at the association became my lifeline. And I honestly do not think I could have made it to the end of Jeff's journey without her help. 
I'm so forever grateful and I will spend the rest of my journey working in partnership with my ALS Association chapter to provide the most thorough resources, programs and information to ALS families so nobody has to feel lost or alone. It's good to hear, uh, Allison, that you and your family found the Arizona chapter of the ALS Association to be a helpful resource. They have a sterling reputation for a reason, and I'm glad that uh, they could be there for your family during an extremely difficult time. And I know that you've stayed very involved with that organization. You're a tremendous help to them. So thank you for that as well. Let me ask, at any point along the way, while you were seeking opportunities and resources, like the one that eventually became available through the Jane Kalmus ALS Scholarship Fund for Ryan, did you think that something like that on the educational side for your son, that that might exist? Well, thank you for pointing out how wonderful the Arizona chapter is because I agree with you. And one of the things that makes them so incredibly wonderful is they're really focused on the whole family and put a lot of programs and thought into the effects of ALS on the whole entire family structure. And I learned firsthand that an ALS diagnosis absolutely does not happen to a person, but rather to a family. So Jeff's journey with ALS was 380 days long. He's now free and has no fear, no anxiety, no pain. But the impact of those 380 days of tragedy will remain a part of my journey and Ryan's journey forever. And those impacts have some serious consequences such as education. So similar to the world we're living in today where people are saying, oh, we're all in the same boat, it it doesn't fit. I mean, we're all in the same storm, but the boat we're sailing may be totally different than the boat of the person next to us. And I can't even begin to imagine what that ALS storm did to my 15, then 15 year old son. But I do know it definitely took a toll on his ability to focus on school or even to care about school. And while he amazingly, little bragging, graduated high school with a 4.0 in honors classes, the scholarships that we had always known would be available to him because he's always greatly excelled academically just weren't there. And in addition, the loss of our the loss of our financial head of household did not put us in a great situation when looking at colleges because Ryan has always, always wanted to go to very esteemed colleges out of state. So I, I could find nothing. I searched and searched and I could find nothing to help families in our situation until I came across this scholarship. So it truly opened up possibilities and changed what we were able to do. That's amazing. Thank you for that analogy too, with the boat in the storm. That's really an interesting way to put it. And, and so true, I think, for families living with ALS and then having these added layers of stress brought into their lives. We're going to shift over to Ryan now uh, to talk a little bit more about the scholarship experience. And Ryan, your mom just alluded to a portion of it, but when and how was it that you first uh, heard about the uh, Calma Scholarship Fund and, and how it might be available to you? So as my mom was talking about just seconds ago, I've always had goals of going to colleges that I obviously could not afford. And it, she happened to stumble across this scholarship and I heard about it through her and it was actually the month of graduation. I went back and I looked in to see when I applied and it was May of last year when I had just graduated from high school. And because of my mom telling me about this scholarship is seriously how I found out about it because of her hard work with the ALS Association. And she's much more knowledgeable about ALS, the association. So I really owe it to my mom. What was your reaction when you found out that you would be receiving a scholarship through the program? I 
was beside myself with excitement. I was overjoyed. I was the excitement of knowing that I was able to go to college and get my education meant so much to me because growing up, like that was all that my dad had instilled in me was go to school, get an education. And of course my mom played a part in that as well, but to honor my dad and carry on his legacy through education, that was something that was able to be offered to me through the Jane Camus scholarship. And I was very grateful to the ALS Association because I knew without them, I wasn't going to be able to have that option open for me, you know? And seriously, the scholarship just gave me that opportunity to make my mom proud and to know in my heart that I was carrying on a legacy that my dad had left behind and to continue to make him proud too. Oh, what a beautiful way to put that, Ryan. And and it's uh, so clear that your father had an influence on you in that way. And your mom said she was bragging earlier, but I don't think it's bragging to say, to talk about you graduating with honors coming out of high school. And clearly education was so important to you. And, and it's great that you were able to continue your educational path and, and go to college using this scholarship as a part of your funding. Will you tell us, if you don't mind, uh, what you're studying right now at school and kind of where you're at on that path and, and what you're hoping to end up doing if you, if you thought that far ahead? You know, it's actually really funny. I've been on a very um, tumultuous journey to figuring out what I'd like to study. I actually started out as an English major, but after hearing, oh, are you gonna become an English teacher? So many times I was like, I just can't possibly study English anymore. Like I just can't, I'm just kidding about that part. I realized there wasn't a good job outlook. Anyway, uh currently I'm studying technological leadership and it's a new program that ASU is implementing. And it basically has to deal with like inquiry and analysis of technological issues and how we fix them. So like a good example that my advisor and even the webpage gives is what are we going to do? Like, what's the moon going to look like after humans settle? And that's a very open-ended question. No one really knows, but technological leadership, the degree gives students the tools and the assets to solve questions like that, solve those questions that we've never had to answer before. And with working in all of that, it correlates with space, technology, all those things. And ever since I was a little kid, I used to have books of all the constellations, all the stars. I was obsessed with mythology. I loved everything to do with the stars. And so I'm studying technological leadership in the hopes that one day I'll get to work at NASA, the greatest way to work with the stars. That's not physics because I can't do physics really. And it was the non-math way to work in um, science and technology. So that's what I'll be studying is technological leadership. Very cool. Yeah. And, and quite ambitious, but you know, it, it sounds like you're on the right path and I'm sure that our listeners have uh, all the faith that you'll get there. What would you say to others who are, you know, maybe thinking about what do I do? How do I help fund college? Who are thinking about applying for the scholarship? What advice would you give to them? Well, I mentioned earlier how I was very excited about receiving the scholarship, you know, but that excitement didn't come without the anxiety of applying for it because I had never applied for a scholarship. Obviously, I was a first year student, not even yet. I didn't even at the time I applied for the scholarship. I had yet to even walk the campus. So I really didn't know anything about college. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how scholarships worked. And I was scared. I didn't want to put in the effort to a scholarship and then get a rejection letter and just feel bad about it, you know? But you know what? All of that went out the window and I just said, I'm just going to apply because what do I have to lose? 
I apply, I either get in or I don't. But if I don't apply, I know I'm not getting in. But at least with the application, I have a chance to get in. And my advice genuinely to other people is leave that anxiety at the door because when you leave it at the door, you can apply for the scholarship, hopefully get it, and then the scholarship opens up so many other doors. So it really doesn't matter how anxious you are, put that aside. And I'm speaking from personal experience as someone who's anxious all the time. Scholarships are not as scary as they seem. And I thought they were terrifying, but I would recommend to use your resources. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You can use a community. Everyone wants to see each other succeed. And we all succeed when we're doing that and helping each other. So really, to my main point, my main advice is to just let it all go. Don't be scared. Just apply and hope that multiple new doors open after you've applied for your scholarship. So well put. Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish that I had your humility and logic when I was your age, because I think I probably uh, would have ended up in a, with a better education. It sounds like you've really given your future a lot of thought, and then you are very much on the right track. And we spoke with Mark Kalmus, the founder of the Scholarship Fund and the husband of the late Jane Kalmus, earlier about you know the sort of students that are receiving the scholarships and some of the applications and letters that he's received. And you are exactly the sort of person that he was referencing in, in hopes that people just like you would be able to benefit from the fund and would go on to do amazing things. And just based on what you said today, I know that we don't know you super well, but it sounds like you have a, a really bright future ahead of you. So thank you so much for that insight. Thank you for having us and the opportunity to share our stories. Thank you again to Ryan and Allison Pogamiller for sharing their story and the impact of the Jane Kalmas ALS Scholarship Fund. And of course, Mark Kalmas for his insight into the initiation of that fund and plans to grow it and, and make it even more impactful going forward. For those listening, applications are being accepted now for the second year of the Jane Kalmas ALS Scholarship Fund. So we'll share a link to that in the show notes. And of course, you can go to the ALS Association blog to learn more about that. Uh, application still being accepted for another couple weeks. Thanks for uh, mentioning that, Jeremy. Again, I am in awe of what the Kalmas family has done for the ALS community and the Jane Kalmas ALS Scholarship Fund is an incredible resource for students whose lives have been impacted by ALS. Great to hear from both Mark and the Polga Millers on their experience. Some quick housekeeping here before we wrap the show. You may have seen uh, that we put out a call earlier in the week for story submissions ahead of next week's episode, which will be themed around Mother's Day. We're asking for stories about wonderful moms from families who have been impacted by ALS. And if you find us on Facebook or Twitter or visit ConnectingALS.org, you'll find instructions on how to record those messages and submit them to us. Our hope is to include a few of those uh, stories on the show next week. Let us know if you have questions on that, but we're looking forward to hearing from you about what Mother's Day means to your family. And Mike, I'm glad you mentioned that because it is a good reminder that I, I still have to get a card and get that sent in the mail. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's sneaking up on us all of a sudden. It's going to be May and then Mother's Day is here. So yeah, get those cards, get those flowers ordered. All right, it is time for us to stop rambling on. We would love it if you subscribe to the show at ConnectingALS.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found us on social media to share your feedback about the show, that'd be great as well. 
This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter of the ALS Association. Thank you so much for listening, and we will connect with you again soon. Thank you.